This is the Sports Team Histories Podcast. In this podcast, I provide a brief history of major professional teams across different sports. Today's episode features the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys initially played their games in the Cotton Bowl, site of the 1966 NFL Championship against the Green Bay Packers. In 1971, the Cowboys moved to Texas Stadium in Irving. This stadium cost $35 million to construct and seated 66,675 fans. The famous Hole in the Roof Stadium served as the Cowboys' home until the construction of the even more famous Cowboys Stadium in 2009. Following the completion of the construction of Cowboy Stadium, now named AT&T Stadium, the old Texas Stadium was demolished on April 11, 2010. On May 29, 2009, Cowboy Stadium construction finalized, costing the Cowboys a total of $1.3 billion. The stadium seats 80,000 people, but is expandable to seat up to 100,000, making it the largest dome stadium in the world. Cowboys have had a myriad of training camp sites throughout Oregon, Minnesota, Michigan, Texas, and California. Since 2010, the Cowboys have held training camp at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, and at the River Ridge Sports Complex in Oxnard, California. The Cowboys are the only franchise to feature their white jerseys at home games, a move that began when Tex Schramm suggested that his fans would enjoy seeing a variety of opponents' jersey colors back in 1964. Due to constant losses, when wearing their blue jerseys, a so-called jinx is often attributed to the uniform, a notion that teams such as the Philadelphia Eagles have tried to exploit by wearing their own white jerseys at home games against the Cowboys. The Cowboys continue to use their traditional blue jerseys every year for the Thanksgiving game. The primary rivalries for the Cowboys consist of their division foes in the Redskins, Eagles, and Giants. Dallas currently leads each of these teams in their head-to-head matches. Additionally, The number of Super Bowl encounters with the Steelers and the constant conference championships against the 49ers have generated additional rivalries with these teams. The Cowboys have 22 members inducted in the Hall of Fame. Dallas shares the records with the 49ers for second most Super Bowl victories with 5 and shares the record with the Steelers for most Super Bowl appearances with 8. On their own, the Cowboys hold the record for most Super Bowl MVPs with Chuck Howley, Roger Staubach, Randy White, Harvey Martin, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Larry Brown. The Dallas Cowboys are America's premier football franchise. As of 2015, they are the most valuable sports team in the world, valued at over $4 billion. The beginnings of this team, however, should no indication of the success that they would one day enjoy. You see, following the demise of the Dallas Texans in 1952, George Preston Marshall, owner of the Washington Redskins enjoyed complete control over professional football in the South. It was a wealthy oil man, Clint Murchison Jr., who would attempt to challenge Marshall's dominance. This was after Marshall turned back on an agreement he had made to sell the Washington Redskins to Murchison in 1958. This last-minute stipulation change in their agreement led to a rift between the two magnates and compelled Marshall to stand against the creation of any expansion team in Dallas, an event that was critical given that the formation of an NFL expansion team required unanimous approval from team owners. As the story goes, a bit of coercion would be necessary in order for Murchison to get his expansion team. 
Barney Breeskin was the leader of the band responsible for writing the Redskins' fight song, Hail to the Redskins, for which Marshall's wife developed the lyrics. Murchison's opening came when Breeskin and Marshall had a falling out. Breeskin, who owned the rights to the fight song, decided to hit Marshall where it hurt most by offering Murchison the opportunity to buy those rights, the very rights to the Redskins' fight song. Murchison would jump on that opportunity and then executed the first and most important trade for the eventual Dallas Cowboys. In exchange for the rights to his own team's fight song, Murchison asked Marshall for his signature in the expansion vote of 1959. The rivalry between the Redskins and the Cowboys began before either team ever even suited up and walked on the field. The 1960 NFL season marked the first in which the Cowboys were a participant. While they did not win a game that season, it did not take long for the expansion team to develop into a winner. By the late 60s, the Cowboys had built a legitimate contender. Following the acquisition of Roger Staubach at quarterback, no other team enjoyed more regular season wins in the 70s. On top of their 105 victories, the Cowboys appeared in five Super Bowls and took home two of them following the 1971 and 1977 seasons. The 80s began with concern over the retirement of the beloved Staubach. Danny White, however, stepped in nicely and led the Cowboys to the NFC Championship game, where they were defeated by their rival, the Philadelphia Eagles. High hopes characterized the beginning of the 1981 season as the Cowboys were favorites and entered the playoffs seated behind only Joe Montana's San Francisco 49ers. Destiny, and perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time, worked together to bring an end to the Cowboys season as Joe Montana, with ice in his veins, led the Niners to an 89-yard game-winning touchdown drive that ended with the famous catch by Dwight Clark in the end zone to win the game. This was followed by an ending to the 1982 season in which our old friend George Preston Marshall, remember him? was surely smiling somewhere as the Cowboys made it to the third straight conference championship game only to lose to the eventual Super Bowl 17 champs. Yes, the Washington Redskins. Poetic justice. And the bleeding would not stop there. 1983 ended with a wild card loss to the Rams, and with that loss came an end to Clint Murchison Jr.'s tenure as owner of the Cowboys. The team was sold to H.R. Burn Bright. He did not fare any better. Under his watch, the Cowboys missed the playoffs for the first time in the decade in 1984, and then were, once again, eliminated from the playoffs by the Rams in 1985 in the divisional round. H.R. Burnbright's luck would not change anytime soon, either on or off the field, as the Cowboys posted losing records in the following three years, and financial troubles began plaguing his life. You see, the savings and loan crisis forced Bright's savings and loan to be taken over by the Federal Savings and Loan Insurance Corporation, or the FSLIC. One of Bright's final acts football-wise was the public admonishing of beloved Cowboys coach Tom Landry. This shot ended his football credibility, and on February 25, 1989, the FSLIC ended his financial credibility by forcing him to sell a franchise to the man who would work on resurrecting America's team, and continues to do so today. Mr. Jerry Jones. In a surprise move, Jerry Jones entered his tenure as owner by taking over every aspect of football operations. His first move was to fire coach Tom Landry, a move that shattered the football landscape. 
You see, the Dallas Cowboys have not had any other coach ever since their inception. Tom Landry's replacement and the second ever head coach of the Dallas Cowboys would end up being University of Miami head coach Jimmy Johnson. Jones' mission to return the Cowboys to the success that they enjoyed in the 70s led to the acquisition of UCLA quarterback Troy Eggman. Perhaps Jones' best move, however, was not the acquisition of his quarterback, but what he would do just a few weeks later. His best move, and perhaps the most historical move in Cowboys history, was his trading of veteran running back Herschel Walker to the Vikings in exchange for five veterans and eight draft picks. This move was so famous that it would become known simply as the trade because it rebuilt a team that would dominate the 90s. Daryl Johnston, Mark Stepnoski, Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, Eric Williams, and Darren Woodson all were successful player additions by the Cowboys in the late 80s and early 90s. They transformed the team. Coupled with them was the addition of Norv Turner as offensive coordinator in 1991. The payoff finally took place in 1992. The Cowboys finished with a team record of 13-3, best ever in their history. They crushed the Philadelphia Eagles in their first playoff game and were finally able to take out the dynastic San Francisco 49ers in Candlestick Park to punch their ticket to their first Super Bowl since 1978, where they would destroy the Buffalo Bills 52-17. And then, just to cement their dominance, they would do it all over again the following year beating those same Bills 30-13 in Super Bowl 28. Following this resurrection of the franchise, problems surfaced once again. Jerry Jones and head coach Jimmy Johnson presumably had a falling out, which would lead to the surprise resignation of Johnson following the 1993 season. Jerry Jones replaced Johnson with University of Oklahoma head coach Barry Switzer. Switzer would take the Cowboys back to the NFC Championship game, where they encountered the San Francisco 49ers for the third straight year. This time, however, the 49ers got the better of the matchup. The Niners did lose something to the Cowboys, though, as the following offseason marked All-Pro cornerback Deion Sanders' move away from San Francisco to Jerry Jones' Dallas Cowboys. With their new addition, the following regular season ended with the Cowboys entering the playoffs as the number one seed following Emmitt Smith's then-record 25 rushing touchdowns. After knocking out the Eagles and the Packers, the Cowboys secured their fifth Super Bowl championship by defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Arizona. As their pattern dictates, however, success for the Cowboys is quickly followed by problems. The 1996 season saw the Cowboys take the field without star receiver Michael Irvin due to a suspension following his drug-related arrest. The Cowboys won 10 games, but were eliminated by the Carolina Panthers in the divisional round of the playoffs. Discipline problems continued in 1997, and the Cowboys missed the playoffs once again. Switzer walked away following this season, and Chan Gailey was hired as a fourth coach in Cowboys history. Following two seasons in which the Cowboys were dispatched in the playoffs, Gailey was fired and became the first head coach in Cowboys history to not take the team to the Super Bowl. Dave Ocampo was next in line. He was the team's defensive coordinator and was promoted a head coach following Gailey's dismissal. Fortunately for Ocampo, Aikman would go down with a concussion that would end his career and quarterback Randall Cunningham would lead the team to a 5-11 record. 
The new century marked a huge transition for the Cowboys as legendary players Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmitt Smith all called it a career. Head coach Dave Ocampo would join them as an ex-Cowboy following his firing at the end of the 2002 season. Since then, the Cowboys just have not been able to figure it out. Jerry Jones lured Bill Parcells out of retirement in 2003, but that was not enough to return the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. The past 16 years have been filled with criticism of Jones as an owner who should no longer be involved in the managerial duties of his franchise. Despite quality coaches taking the helm of this team and Bill Parcells, Wade Phillips, and Jason Garrett, success has eluded America's team and the sixth Lombardi Trophy continues to escape Mr. Jerry Jones. Thank you for listening to the Sports Team Histories podcast. On next week's episode, I share the story of one of basketball's most legendary franchises, the New York Knickerbockers.